Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Hello. <laughs> um, if you can't quite tell, which I'm sure you can, I don't sound amazing. Yeah, Russ has been uh, dealing with a throat and voice issues, so mm-hmm. it'll probably be um, mostly me talking today. Yeah, uh, it could be with in regard to my second vaccine, or it could be something completely separate. Either way, it's been a rough couple of days. But on the on on the topic of vaccines, actually, that's a very that's probably the best segue I've had all year. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're not wrong. Uh, so I'm sure everyone has already looked at the title of today's episode. But today mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about viruses. Yay! It's. <laughs> It's topical right now, especially considering, um, you know, all of the news in the about, of course, the COVID vaccine and the COVID virus and everything that's happening and how people can protect themselves and all of that. And the restrictions that are easing up slowly but surely. Mm -hmm. Although potentially being tightened down again just for everyone's safety. Uh, Yeah. um, Um. I know there was talk about that in the UK again because people just can't seem to behave. Uh. Yeah, and I mean over here in the US also it's uh there's definitely been rises in the number of cases um which obviously is bad. <laughs> and um also the new variants coming out make it even worse, so yeah, um, I think the latest uh, the latest one is the Delta variant. I heard there's one called Lambda now. Oh, really? I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, Delta's the, the most common um, mm. in terms of the newest variants, but there is apparently one also now called, they're calling Lambda. Um, but backtracking a little. Um, yeah. So for anyone who didn't take a lot of science classes... Um, or didn't study, like, a lot of biology classes like I did, Um, a virus is what's known as an infectious agent. It is a specifically a sub-microscopic infectious agent, which means it's so small that you can't see it with even with a normal microscope. I have my mouth to say something, but I don't really have much to say about that. Yeah, that's just really small. Yeah. So basically, an, inf- an infectious agent is a, a pathogen in the oldest and broadest sense of the word. So it's an organism that in some way produces a disease. So bacteria mm-hmm. are considered infectious agents. Um, viruses are, so, are also. The big difference with a virus is that a virus is not actually alive. Mm. Viruses are, there, there's been a lot of debate over the years back and forth in the scientific community Um, But viruses are not considered alive. They're not classified as living because of how they replicate and everything. They don't actually have nuclei in their cells. They don't 
they don't have some of the markers that would make them a living organism the same way that a bacteria is because a bacterial cell is still a full cell it has you know a nucleus you there's usually has a nucleus and you know other bits and pieces of a cell and is to a, cer a certain extent at least based off def various definitions that would take a long time to go into is considered living viruses are not and on top of that uh viruses use our own bodies against us which is why they suck so much yeah i'm feeling that <laughs> Mm-hmm. So bacteria are separate cells. They are separate organisms that can get into our bloodstream or whatever, and they exist outside our own cells. Viruses, the way they work is that they actually trick our bodies into replicating the viral DNA for them. Right. Um, yeah, and that's what makes them so hard to fight against and so hard to get rid of. And it's also why there are quite a few viruses out there where if you've been infected with it, you can't ever 100% get rid of it from your system. I get, like chipping, chicken pox count or something like that, I guess? Yeah, chicken pox is a perfect example because as a kid, even after you've had your chicken pox... Um, and can't be infected by another person with the chicken pox, as an adult, you can develop shingles. And it's the same virus, it's just that over time it mutates and becomes a different expression in your adult which body why, as opposed to child. Which is why it's better to get it when you're younger because it's less dangerous, I think. Is the general sort of consensus on that, I think? Well, the, so the chicken pox virus, chi the, if you catch it for the first time as an adult, your symptoms tend to be more severe and you are more likely to have negative complications. Mm -hmm. um, however, if you catch it, no matter when you catch it, as an adult, the fact that you had chicken pox now means you could also get shingles. Right, okay. Because it's gotcha. the same virus, it's just how it's mm -hmm. expressed in your system changes over time after you've had it. Yeah, I get that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, but basically what happens is once the virus, I mean, there's there's a lot more to it. Um, for anyone who actually is a, like a science major or a biology major or, you know, anything like that, please don't come for me <laughs> with the amount of details I'm leaving out. We're trying mm. to keep this episode to not like, you know, three hours. Um, That'd be nice. And also I'm... I'm we're trying to go over this topic as if we're talking to someone who doesn't know anything about this kind of science at all. Mm -hmm. Which So getting yeah. in deep into the nitty gritty of it is not going to work for somebody who has no no knowledge about it, which mm -hmm. is is fair. Yeah. It makes it hard. Um, so backing up a little, if you look at one of our cells the outside of the cell has a lot of different receptors on it. And those receptors are supposed to be for nutrients and things to come into the cell. So different, um, different electrolytes, um, 
mm-hmm. you know, different ions that your body needs in different uh, minerals and whatnot, whatever it's going to be, basically your body is set up so that the cells have a way to pull that into themselves when they need it. Again, there's more to this process, but um, simplified version is it's kind of like um, your cell has specified slots around the outside where only certain things will fit. So like only the square sodium molecule can fit into the square sodium molecule port, that kind of thing. But the virus pretends to be those things that gets in the way. Correct. I, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The What happens is a virus um, is able to mimic the, um, the nutrient or the item that would normally be pulled into the cell, and it slots itself into one of those receptor areas so that it can get that it can attach to the cell well and then basically inject its DNA into the cell. Um, There's a couple different kinds of viruses in terms of how they reproduce. Some of them use RNA instead of DNA. Um, So RNA stands for ribonucleic acid. DNA is deoxyribonucleic acid. DNA is what our bodies actually, no worries, actually use to create our different bits and pieces. The RNA helps with transcribing the DNA when it needs to replicate itself. So it's kind of like the RNA acts like a blueprint for the DNA to create itself. Okay, and it keeps referring to the blueprint, and that's why... So the virus changes your RNA a little bit, which is why you can't ever quite get rid of it. Uh, yeah? Sort of. Um, sort of? <laughs> so th- this is a, a perfect example, actually. So Russ did take sciences in school, but not a lot and not specialized like I did. No, no. Um, as we talked about in, I think, like in, in our history episode last time, uh, we could only have so many electives and my drama actually took up two slots, so I was kind of locked out of doing some of the science ones. So I have a broad science thing, but nothing mm-hmm. too super specialized, so a lot of this is new to me as well. Right. So. Whereas I did a ton of this, um, <laughs> uh, since I studied biology and biological sciences. So for me, this is... I mean, it's been a while since I studied it, so I'm not going to say that I still remember every single detail because that would be a lie, but I remember the basics. Um, So once the genetic material, whether it's DNA or RNA, has been introduced into one of our cells, because it exists inside the cell, our bodies start replicating the DNA. And because of how quickly DNA replicates, it doesn't take you long to get to get infected and sick, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's there's three different types of genome replication for the viruses. Um, one of them, the DNA viruses. So these ones, um, the DNA viruses, they actually replicate their DNA. It's a genome that's made up of the deoxyribonucleic acid, and it's 
replicated inside the cell's nucleus, just like our DNA is. So basically, um, if the cell has an appropriate receptor on its surface, which is what I was talking about earlier, the viruses are able to enter the cell and then um, they can fuse with the membrane or sometimes they can kind of inject or almost get swallowed by the cell. And then um, they basically the the virus DNA uses the cell's function against it. All of our cells are designed to be constantly replicating our DNA strands and the RNA strands in order to make sure that our cells are replenished constantly. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically the viral DNA, once it's inside your cell, tricks your cell into creating more of itself. And then at a certain point when there's enough, um, it then, you know, spreads to other cells as well. There's RNA viruses. These are the ones that, um, the ribonucleic acid, and they replicate inside the cytoplasm instead of the nucleus. So the nucleus is like the center of the cell, the main hub where all the DNA is stored. The, um, mm -hmm. cytoplasm is all of the, like, for lack of a better term, because it's not, this is not an accurate term, but like the liquid space that is outside the nucleus. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm like with the, with the diagrams, like used to sort of see about it, like the, the, the empty space kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like m most yeah. people are familiar with at least roughly what a cell looks like from TV and stuff. So if you're looking like, at a cell where it's got like the skin on the outside. Then it's got like molecules inside, then it's got that empty space. Mm-hmm. So th that, 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 the yeah. cytoplasm is that empty space, which isn't actually cool. empty. Okay. It's full of a lot of things, but... But for the, for, for the sake of the diagrams, it's quote-unquote empty. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it also does the same thing. It starts getting itself replicated, also using our own cells against us. Um, mm -hmm. The third kind is called reverse transcribing viruses. They have... Okay, um, I've never heard of this. This one is outside of my pay grade. <laughs> so, um, it, it's a much more complicated process, but basically mm -hmm. the reason they're called reverse transcribing is because they use something called a reverse transcriptase, which is an enzyme that's used to generate complementary DNA from an RNA template. So that's the one where I was telling you, like, the RNA gets used as, like, a blueprint. Right. Okay, I'm with you. So basically, it it's using that sort of an idea where the, again, anyone who actually does the sciences, there's a lot more to this. I know that. Don't come for me. This. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, the reverse transcriptase ones are the ones that trick our cells into creating a complementary DNA strand from an RNA strand. So using the RNA as a model and then again through that we end up with um, our bodies generating the DNA of the virus instead of our own. Well instead of just so, our own. Yeah, It corrupts our blueprint in a way. Yeah? 
it, it doesn't actually directly corrupt our DNA blueprint. It doesn't cause mutations in our own genetic code. But what it does is it sort of, um, it makes it so that our cells are replicating our own DNA as well as theirs. So it's doing them both at the same time, but tricking it because it thinks that that's also supposed to be replicated. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay, okay, I, I can understand that. Right. And, um, um, and, and um, an example of a reverse transcribing virus is actually HIV. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, the way viruses work is they trick our cells. This is a short version. They trick our cells into replicating the viral genetic material so that we then end up with the viral genetic material constantly replicating itself inside our bodies. And that is why it is basically, it's not impossible to get rid of a virus once you've caught it, but there's a reason that it, you can still test for whether or not someone has had a virus years and years and years down the road. Because with how many cells you have, it's unlikely that all of them are going to lose it at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, and... Uh, this is a little off topic, but I suppose having a vaccine is because you get a small amount of that virus is how it builds up the immune system to it. Yeah. So with with vaccines, um, and I, I've gone over vaccines in a different episode before, or at least a little, but in terms of how they work inside the body, part of what they do is they, um, there's different types of uh, vaccines. One of the mm. more common is a killed virus, which basically means the vaccine is injecting you with a dead version of the virus. But this dead version of the virus, because it's dead, well, quote unquote dead, since viruses aren't technically alive, but since the virus is quote unquote dead, it can't actually infect you. Mm. But the like inflammatory response at the injection site, your body's response at the injection site and to the vaccine causes your immune system to recognize that's not something I want. That's not normal. That's not supposed to be there and sort of develop antibodies that can specifically attack that type of virus if it ends up in your system. So that's also why vaccines are not 100%. It builds up a response. Yeah, it builds up a response Mm -hmm. for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're not hundred percent because you can still catch slightly different variants, and it doesn't recognize it. I guess. Right. Yeah. That that's one of the reasons that they say vaccines are not. They're not a hundred percent, and they're not going to stop you from getting the virus. They're designed to make it so that your your body's response to the virus is not as severe. Because it's already prepared for. For it, so it can protect you in a better way. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you. It's like you're prepared. Right, right. Okay. They they're not a hundred percent now. In some cases, depending on the virus and depending on the vaccine, and you know, there's a lot of factors. In some cases, it does protect you better than others, so you may not end up. Uh, like even if you were exposed to the virus, your body might be able to completely fight it off. 
Sure. But okay. there's also sense. a lot of viruses where that's not the case or where you, like, maybe your body fights it off, but it still sticks around in your system and can cause you problems later, such as the chickenpox virus that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Well, as we're about roughly halfway through, I suppose we this is a decent point to go for our break, mm-hmm. I think. All right, well, um, we will be back. Well, Heather's going to be back and I'm going to be tagging you up. <laughs> uh, uh, in, just, in just a minute after we've done our mid-roll. And we'll see, you, we'll see you on the other side of it. All right, everyone, welcome to the mid-roll. So I'm going to start off by talking about World Anvil. For anyone who hasn't heard us talk about World Anvil before, first of all, where have you been? Um, But second of all, World Anvil is an amazing and robust world building and campaign management software and also just an amazing group of people. We definitely recommend you check them out. It's worldanvil.com. Their platform has all sorts of different features that you can use to build up your world, whether you're an author writing a story and you want to flesh out the world you've created for your audience, or whether you're a game master and you want to flesh out the world you've created for your players, or even allow them to enter information and show the links between the different NPCs and characters and countries and all that kind of thing. So we definitely recommend you check it out. It's free to sign up. And then after that, if you want any of their special features, all of which are amazing, you can do a paid subscription. Uh, They have various tiers. And from there, you can use some of their sort of upgraded platform opportunities that are amazing. I definitely recommend you check it out. That is worldanvil.com. Yes, uh, we love them. Other people we love are the fine folks at Castle Die Hard at dieharddice.com. They have wonderful metal polymer and polymer dice. They've been working with us for years now. We love them very much. They've got so many different designs that they have already produced. They're always working on new things. They've got great accessories. We've talked about this all before, like their squad of rolling and like their mini meeples. And um, and we just love them very, very much. Uh, you can search by any kind of things that you've been looking for, whether like that's D&D class or RPG class, I suppose, or color or material or anything like that. If you do find anything that you like, you can use the code NERDSMITH. Is it just NERDSMITH this time? Uh, no, it's it's NERDSMITH hyphen AUG. NERDSMITH hyphen AUG for 10% off your next order. And they have free shipping domestically in the US and discounted shipping in the, the rest of the world, which is great for everyone else. I'm sorry I'm butchering this by dying slowly, but it's okay. So yes, if you find anything you like, please feel free to support them because we love them very much. All right, everyone. And now with that, let's get back into our topic. So um, we've talked a little bit about the sort of the basics of what viruses are and how they replicate inside our own cells and use our own cells against us, which is one of the reasons why they suck so much. Um, right before the break, yes. we were talking a little about vaccines and sort of mm. how they work on protecting us from the virus. Um, th- like I said, one of the most common ones is a killed virus, 
vaccine, which deals with a, basically a quote-unquote dead version of the virus that it, your body can't actually become infected from. There are other types of vaccines, including um, modified live Modified live vaccines deal with a version of the vac of the virus that is modified so that your body can't become infected from it, but the virus hasn't been completely denatured. So in some cases, there is a chance for you to still become infected from it. Um, a really good example is actually the earliest versions of the rabies virus vaccines. Oh, really? They used... Um, Initially, they tried the modified live virus. Um, mm -hmm. Those are generally more effective because you're dealing with a live version of the vax of the vac. I can't talk. You're dealing with a live version of the virus, and because of that, mm -hmm. your body's response is stronger. Which means that down the road, if you're exposed again, your body's response to protect you will be stronger. Unfortunately, sure, because it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I was just going to say, well, that makes sense because it had a stronger thing to fight off before. So mm -hmm. it makes sense that it would be ready for a stronger thing the next time. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And then, unfortunately, in the case of some viruses, such as the rabies virus, that backfired. And the first rabies vaccines that were created, that were, they tried some that were live modified. And um, it wasn't every single pet, but there was a, a large enough percentage of pets that developed rabies from the virus that they had to stop using that one and make one that is just a killed virus so nowadays well, you won't find a rabies vaccine that's modified live because a modified live rabies vaccine is known to potentially give the the person that's vaccinated or the, the pet that's vaccinated the rabies virus sure that makes sense mm-hmm Um, there's also some types of vaccines that are, uh, rec they're called recombinant. Um, what they've basically done is combined different types of, in some case, viruses to, um, to cause the body to have a strong response as if it was modified live, but without actually causing the virus to become to infect the host. So a, an example of this, there um, are some rabies vaccines now for cats, uh, cats in particular, that are recombinant DNA. What they did is they took a canary pox virus and um, basically took pieces of it and put it into the rabies virus in such a way that the receptors and things that would cause the rabies virus to actually become an infectious agent and infect the person in, or the cat injected with it are not there. They're replaced by the canary pox, which the cat doesn't really respond to. So the cat's body is able to form a strong response because it's dealing with a, um, a modified live version of the virus but at the same time, because it's recombinant and can't attach to anything in the cat's body and actually form the rabies virus inside the cells, the cat doesn't get rabies. Sure, that that would make sense if it can't attach and produce itself to be stronger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 
so I guess at, at this point, I'm wondering, you know, as someone who has not done a lot of sciences, mm. is there anything that I've talked about that you have big questions about? Um, no, I understood the, the first two types of like uh, viruses, like one which attacks the nucleus and then one that attacks everything but the nucleus. And then there was the third one, which was a little bit more confusing uh, just because it was a bit more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, as for sort of like vaccines and stuff, that with the modified life uh, and like the quote unquote dead or inactive viruses, mm-hmm. that makes sense for the most part. There's just a lot to take in. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of information, and I mean, that's one of the reasons yeah. we're keeping this episode short, too, because if I kept, mm. if I keep going, because I could keep going and going and going and going, um, it would be a little overwhelming, I think, for most people. Um, mm, uh, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I wish I could contribute more, but both my voice and my brain are <laughs> kind of against me on that one. No worries. Oh, dear. Um, so I'm trying to think. So one of the reasons that I thought this topic was a good one for us to bring up, uh, and I think Russ agrees with me is there's a lot of information out there right now about like how to protect yourself from the viruses and, and what works and what doesn't. And, um, you know, if you're vaccinated, you can or can't still catch the virus and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I just wanted to touch base basically on all of that because some of those questions are things that those of us who have some medical knowledge or have done a lot of biological sciences actually can answer fairly quickly um and you work with in animal care so it would make sense that you have a decent bit knowledge even if it's based like coming from a perspective of looking after animals it's very similar mm mm-hmm well, and we deal with a lot of oh. viruses and vaccines and stuff in animal medicine. So in that respect also, there's a lot of information that I have that sort of crosses over in terms of overarching virus information. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of specifically the COVID-19 virus because I am not a human virologist, but in just the broadest sense of the word, I do have virus information. Um, one of the things I've heard that drives me crazy (laughs) is people Mm. saying that if you've gotten the vaccine, you can't get COVID. And that's, that's not, that's not true. It's actually 100% false. Even if you have gotten the vaccine, you could still be reinfected. The vaccine Mm. is not going to keep you 100% from catching the virus. Like I said earlier, um, what it can do though, is because I do know this is it can it can very much help in your symptoms and your recovery because your body is at least prepared for it to get the virus. That's the whole point. Right. Your immune system already has some antibodies and whatnot and some information on how to fight off this virus. And because of that, your body is able to respond much quicker and much more effectively to prevent you from getting severe symptoms. And that's why most of the people who have... I I saw some numbers in a news article, but I'd have to look it up. I don't remember exactly what they were. But basically, the vast majority of people who are vaccinated, 
if they do get COVID again, have not had such severe symptoms that they've had to go to the hospital. As yeah, I've absolutely read some some. Like, I, I know that Twitter isn't the most uh, most reliable place, but I've definitely seen people talking about them getting COVID after the virus, and comparing it to things from beforehand, and their experiences are much more manageable. Mm-hmm. Not not completely gone, but manageable, which right. is better than anything else that you could potentially do to to give yourself as much protection as possible. Yeah. Agreed. Um, another thing I've heard is uh, a, a similarly to, the, you know, the whole if I'm vaccinated, I can't catch it. So first of all, that's wrong. We already covered that. But on top of that, even though a lot of us are vaccinated now, myself and Russ included. we Recovering still, but yes. <laughs> yeah, we are we are vaccinated for the original strain of the virus, not the new variants that are coming out. So one of the things, um, you know, that I was talking about earlier about how the virus replicates inside our own cells. So our cells are not perfect at replication. It is possible for mistakes to be made. And when those mistakes are made, um, there can be mutations. Which, in a broad sense, is how cancerous cells are made. One of the ways, yes. Um, your, your, your cells can mutate poorly and create that. Yeah. You can also be affected by outside influences, but you can... That is a very broad example of one way to, to get cancerous cells. Yeah. Yeah, that is one example of one of the ways it can happen. But similarly, there can be mutations in a virus within a cell because of in, uh, either incomplete or incorrect replication. So it is because of that and because of how many times the virus DNA or RNA is replicated over and over and over again, there's a high percentage for mutation to occur because every time you replicate it, there is a chance that it's going to be replicated wrong. And given the sheer number of replications you know, per day that are occurring, that means that the chances of a mutation or incorrect replication occurring are significantly higher because of the number of replications occurring in overall. I just said replications a lot during that sentence, but I yeah, I think it made it, sense. <laughs> uh I, I I followed it, so that's a good that's a good sign for our audience. Okay. Because they're probably they're probably smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, that's not fair to you. They they might have had more science than you. I will let you get away with that. Um fine. Fine, I will will accept that. Um, And so unfortunately, what that means is that it is not hard for a virus to mutate. And every time there's a mutation, that mutation has a, a percentage chance, and I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but there is a chance of it not being recognized and protected against by 
the vaccine that people have had because the if, vaccine was specifically made for the original virus. Yeah, which, which makes sense. If it's different enough to, to not look the same, your body's not going to recognize it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so that's one of the reasons why the new variants of the COVID virus have doctors and medical professionals and so, you know, so concerned is because People are opening things up more now that people are getting vaccinated. People aren't wearing masks as often. And now on top of that, we're adding in these new variants that people are not vaccinated against. But because a lot of people don't have this kind of information about vaccines and how they work and whatnot, they don't, not everyone understands that that is the case. Which is concerning. Um, I've also heard some people saying, oh, well, you know, we've got the vaccine now, so we'll be fine. Herd immunity and all that stuff. So I don't need to worry about getting the vaccine, blah, 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 blah. So this is not correct. (laughs) Herd immunity um, is a term that is used to describe the effect of the majority of a herd of individuals, whether it's humans, animals, doesn't matter, a herd of people that have been either vaccinated or immunized in some way against a particular virus or contagion. And because the majority of the herd can't catch it and therefore can't really pass it on, that helps to protect those members of the herd that for one reason or another cannot handle being immunized or vaccinated. So, um, like, um, people with very low immune systems or are allergic to components in the vaccines or whatever, mm-hmm. so it helps keep them safe while everyone else is te- getting as much protection as they can. Or too young to get the vaccines. You know, that's one of the reasons why oh, yeah. they always, mm-hmm. like, anytime you have a newborn baby, the doctors say, you know, anyone who's going to come around your baby during such and such time frame, you should make sure they have all of these vaccines. Mm. The reason... Like uh, the, the polio and the... the small yeah, and all those kinds of things. Yeah. And the reason is specifically because that baby can't is too young for its body to handle getting a vaccination. And on top of that... Um, it's because it's so young, its immune system is also not super strong yet. It still is at least partly relying on its mother's immune system from breast milk and whatnot. So having the herd, the family that is around that baby, all be protected and vaccinated and immunized against some of these viruses and contagions that can affect the baby very badly helps protect the baby because it's not coming into contact with anyone who should be able to catch the virus and contagions. Yeah. However, <laughs> the problem is that a lot of people are assuming that since you know half the people out there are vaccinated now, that everything's fine and the virus is going to die down. And that's not how herd immunity works. The, the way herd immunity works is that the majority of people have to be vaccinated or immunized. An example of this and what times where it's worked are things like smallpox and measles. Smallpox and measles in the United States have been practically wiped out completely 
across the country in terms of being a problem disease that we have to deal with. The reason is because everyone has been so diligent about measles vaccines and smallpox vaccines across the board Mm -hmm. until recent years with anti-vaxxers. But in general, people have been very, very good about keeping up on those kinds of vaccines because everyone recognizes smallpox and measles as being bad diseases that killed a lot of people. Yeah, that makes sense. Because of Um, that, we basically were able to almost completely wipe it out in our community and created herd immunity for those individuals who cannot have the vaccines. That, yeah, that makes sense. Also, uh, another element that plays into this about herd immunity is all the variants, mm-hmm. which are now just, they are as dangerous to people who can't get, get the vaccine as the other variants are, even if we're immunized to the original strains. So herd immunity is still not going to work for those people yet. Also true. Um, The other thing is, too, in recent years, because of anti-vaxxer sentiments, we've actually seen evidence of herd immunity starting to break down. Um, Mm. An example, I don't remember how many years ago it was now. It was two or three. It was pre-COVID. But there were um, a couple of outbreaks of measles. Um, It was measles at Disneyland in California. Oh. Um, yeah. Because there were enough people who were anti-vaccination that, you know, someone who had been exposed to measles that was able to pass it on to other people who hadn't been vaccinated properly for the measles virus, and it spread. I mean, they weren't huge outbreaks, but they did occur. So... That's an example. Up up until recent years, there hadn't been a measles, like a, a, even a small measles outbreak in who knows how long. But now because people have stopped vaccinating as diligently for it and are refusing to get their children or themselves vaccinated for that type of virus, we're ending up with cases of it popping back up again because the herd immunity is breaking down in those groups. Which is um, a different issue that is... Virus. Uh, it's virus-related. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just... We we might have our opinions on anti-vectors, but, you know, people can believe what they want to believe. I mean, to be perfectly honest, between this episode and others that I've discussed, I if people haven't already figured out that I am not pro anti-vaxxer they're probably not listening close enough i i am definitely in favor of vaccinations and not not Mm, i i I do not side with anti-vaxxer sentiments on anything especially considering the report that most of it is based off of was later declared by the person who wrote it to be fake (laughs) fraudulent yeah but yeah, that's um, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Yes. All right. Um, but I, I mean, I think that's a pretty good overview of viruses and how they work and how, to a certain extent, how vaccines affect them and what they do and don't do. Um, <clears throat> do you, could you think of anything that I didn't answer? 
<coughs> Unfortunately, right now I'm dying, so. I'm struggling, I'm struggling to think of anything, but I think we covered most things. Or you did. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, I think this is probably a good stopping point for this episode so that we don't Ugh. get too much longer into everything or kill Russ since he's yeah. starting to ha- have a coughing fit. Um, I have. <laughs> apologies. Ugh. Well, luckily, we can edit most of it out so that it's not a problem. Oh, yeah. It's not a problem, but yes, um, it's not been great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. So... Uh, Yes, Uh, thank you for listening to what remains of this, (laughs) and hopefully less of my coughing. I'll try and cut that that out. Um, We will be back with another topic very soon. (laughs) Try to hold the cough back, I'm very sorry. Heather, would you mind just wrapping up? (laughs) It's alright, so thanks for being with us this week. Uh, Hopefully you learned something new. We'll be back with a new and interesting topic in two weeks. And until then, uh, don't forget to geek thyself. Mm. We haven't said that in a long while, but (laughs) yes, I like it. Uh, We will see you very soon, guys. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Bye.